Dear Talkspace, we are pleased to advise you that your request for an extension has been approved. Hello, hello, Talker Space approved extension listeners. You are back for another week with your host, Ben. I'm a little thrown off guard. I'm recording a little bit later in the day, which I'm not used to. So I apologize if some tone's a little different. But I had to get a wonderful guest on for another, like, amazing show. I'm so excited. Sorry, I'm a little bit giddy. I have a superstar, Alyssa Ablon, on the show. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you. Yes, I'm so excited too. So for listeners out there, you probably do, like, will recognize the name or the face. (laughs) Alyssa is an amazing person who shares such great insights on TikTok about media, Australian media landscapes, news events as well, which I've seen. And I love the particular events that you cover. (laughs) You're just, oh, you're so insightful and I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. That is so nice. Of course. I have, like, I just love getting interesting people on the show. It's so good. (laughs) We're going to chat about Australian media, music, artists, the industry, pretty much anything and everything that's interesting to me. I'm going to be selfish. (laughs) It's a topic that I'm like very invested in. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, I thought so. I was going through um, Alyssa's TikTok for listeners out there and I just knew this was the person to talk to (laughs) about the media industry and everything. I just love how real and like relate, like it's really relatable, your insights. And I feel like it's an experience that everyone is having at the moment. Yeah, I think that particularly when it comes to like mainstream Australian media and the way that young people feel completely alienated from it is, um, yeah, it's something that I don't see people talk about a lot because I think that most young people have almost sort of given up and just gone, oh, well, we'll stream music, we'll stream TV, we'll stream movies. And if there isn't stuff that we like on TV, then we'll just not watch it. Mm. And it feels as though the industry itself has almost sort of given up on young people yeah. as well and being like, well, we won't even try and make stuff that they'll watch because we know that they're not going to watch it. Mm. And I just feel like it's such a waste of all of the potential talent from the young creatives who I don't feel get included in like the television industry, for instance. Yeah, television industry, music as well. Yeah, like yeah. that's something that we see all the time mm-hmm. on Talker Space, playing university music artists yeah. that are starting out. And I just, it's like everyone's doing such an amazing job and Mm -hmm. doing great, great things. And I'm just like, oh, I just want to see it go, like, shoot you through to the stars and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. And I I just don't really, I just don't see why we can't other than, you know, the money not being invested in cultivating young artists to grow and Mm. to become, because as, yeah that Emerald Ruby was saying, that we are missing the middle of the music industry where, you know, it feels as though in Australia, if you're an artist, you're either someone who, like, busks mm. and, like, tries to promote their music online or you're Guy Sebastian and there's yeah. no in-between. Literally. And it's just bizarre. Mm. It is. It's crazy. We are going to chat about that a little bit later because mm. we'll start off by giving a little context around you. I'm going to be selfish and <laughs> pick your brain about everything that is going on in your life. Oh, my God. Pretty much. In my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we will start chatting, I guess, about the university experience that you had. Mm. We're a university show, so I mm-hmm. love asking people about what they did, what they experienced. So you mentioned that you studied psychology mm-hmm. a little while ago. It was, um, I only deferred just before COVID Mm. um so like 2020 and so so wild like we're in 2023 now like it's it feels like COVID was yesterday but then it also feels like it's so long ago Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so I was at UQ and I was studying psychology and I almost finished but I just need to go back when my health is better yeah um but yeah I really loved uni Mm. and I miss studying and I also miss like I do like it's just like it's one of those things where I think that people don't 
believe until like they hear like how boring it actually is to just sit at home because mm. um yeah being chronically ill is yeah it just takes a lot away from you and so then i sit there and i'm like god i would love to be like in a place where i'm sitting at home like studying for an exam or like doing an assignment because it was i just actually really loved my degree like oh, really? i was i was really like i enjoyed learning about psychology i was really excited to like become a psychologist and all of that so yeah, I'm excited to get back when my health gets better. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What was one of your favorite things about uni? Ooh, one of my favorite things about uni was from my experience in psychology was I liked the opportunities to get to research topics that we chose. And um, there were a couple of times where I got to write assignments and like do research into like racism within psychology. And I found that wow. to be really interesting and powerful in terms of like how you know most of the research is done on like university educated like white people basically or like um how there isn't enough focus on how different therapies um could apply differently for people of different backgrounds mm. um and that we just like need more diverse research and more diverse practice um and being able to like research that and yeah. like I was like so enthralled in it like you know those assignments where you're like genuinely really proud of it yeah yeah I got to do a couple of those where it was like I chose a topic I was really interested in and I was just like really passionate about it so yeah yeah that's wild yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> and so what has been the journey from university to where you are now Ooh. Um, sounds a little sad, but <laughs> it's okay. Well, um, I was at uni and then I had to defer because my health declined. And so now I am a stay-at-home adult who is on the disability support pension, um, which I'm very lucky to have. And um, I'm tr currently trying to get some NDIS support, but I haven't got my application in yet. But I mostly just sit at home and I make TikToks about things that interest me and it allows me to share my thoughts with other human beings since I barely leave the house mm. and yeah get to talk to people about um topics that are really interesting to me yeah that was one of the things that I really do selfishly want to ask you about is what prompted you to start yeah sharing your views on TikTok and like making such interesting videos yeah because I think that at the beginning I was just sort of talking about my current obsessions which were like you know Bridgerton mm -hmm. and then like things like the Rings of Power and House of the Dragon and like just like whatever show I was like obsessed with. I just yeah. wanted to talk about it because I love characters and story writing and all of that sort of thing. And then um, TikTok is such a good place to do that too. Such a good place. Oh my gosh. The, the way that people will like delve into every single bit of like the Hunger Games, like things that I forgot about from the books. And I'm like, this is so amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I started talking about disability randomly because mm. I I initially thought foolishly that I was like well no one wants to hear about that because it's just kind of depressing um but then I did just start talking about my process of trying to get government support as mm. a person with disability and it sucks yeah it is so bad it's so hard it's so traumatic it's so inaccessible and then I was able to connect with other people who were going through the similar experience or who had been through that process and were able to like give other people advice or you know um just sort of vent about how difficult it was and yeah I think that I had underestimated how important it could be to have those conversations publicly um about how like unfair it is like yeah. how unfair the process is and how we need to change things so I think that a lot of people connected to that and so that's how I think that that ball started rolling a bit more. Yeah, because the NTIS, as I understand it, like you mm. say, is really, really tricky and difficult. I, I have no experience, but I do want to understand oh. and learn about it because like, I, I hear it so mm -hmm. many times that it's just so tricky to navigate. It's so difficult. They make you jump through so many hoops. And also just the way that like it feels like a snake eating its own tail where it's like you can't ever win because it's like... They require all of this evidence mm. um, that you need XYZ supports. But to get the evidence, they require like a report from a specialist that's a specific kind of report that costs like at least $1,000. Mm. And then the government refuses to subsidize any of those reports. Yeah. So 
you can't get subsidies for the evidence that you need to submit to get government support. Right. So it's like you have to pay out of pocket like thousands of dollars just to get the report to submit your application that may not even get ups- uh, accepted. Mm. So then like people, lots of people can't afford to even get the medical evidence that they require. So yeah. they just never can even start that application process. Which so there's so many horrible. barriers. It's horrific. Yeah. Mm. It sounds really like you're obviously quite passionate advocating for that as for well. Sure. Is yeah. that one of the things that really impassions you at the moment on TikTok? And Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like seeing the, like, and hearing the stories from other people who've had to deal with NDIS or um, DSP via Centrelink. Um, and like the stories of people who are just trying to get support to survive and are disabled and like cannot work mm. and are treated by the government as people who refuse to work. And um, that is, it's horrific. That's like, I, and I hate to use the phrase, like that's such a good way. Like I feel accurate. That's mm. an accurate way to put that. Like, For sure. I've never heard it put so cleanly yes. before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's also something that I learned from psychology is like, you know, there are sort of like if we want to incentivize certain behaviors like the way that governments will put out ads for you know an anti-smoking campaign or like let's you know stop people from drink driving there has to be a thought process behind like how are we presenting the information in a way that like are we going to actually successfully de-incentivize people from doing something Mm. and um in psychology it's like you can't just give people like the worst possible punishment for something that's not that bad. Otherwise yeah. it actually doesn't work because if you, there, there there needs to be a connection between like what behavior you want and then like how you're dealing with it. And that they're, they're treating us as if they are trying to curb a bad behavior. The way that Which is, the government treats mm. disabled people who cannot work is as if they're punishing someone who's misbehaving and they're trying to, push us in the direction of like just work why don't you just work like if we keep on giving you all these little punishments then eventually you'll decide oh it's easier to just work i'll just do that instead of being lazy or being you know deciding not to work as if it was a choice Mm. and it just doesn't make sense when they could provide little bits of support that would prevent people from even getting to the point where they can't work anymore yeah that's horrible it's horrific it's so bad god What um other things do you like I are you really passionate about sharing and like advocating for almost on TikTok? Ooh, yeah, disability is a huge part of it. Um one of the things that I really like to talk about on TikTok is just like analysis of media in general mm. because um I get really frustrated that I get comments from a lot of people saying just enjoy the movie. Just sit and watch the movie. I yeah. And um and there's like this like attitude of like and because particularly I found out last year that I'm autistic and it made everything make sense. Um. And then um I I've had this conversation with other autistic and neurodivergent people where for me the greatest way that I can enjoy something is to delve deeper into it. Yeah. And to like be like, well, you know, what's this character's motivation and what does this sort of thing represent and how does this reflect on our world today, even if it's a story that's set like millions of years ago or whatever, or in a fantasy world. Like, I find that interesting to be like, how does it reflect what's going on in real life? Yeah. And um, oftentimes, if it's something fantastical, people don't like that and they'll yeah. go, just enjoy the movie, just yeah. watch the thing. And I'm it's like, meant this to is... be an escape. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but it's actually not. And it's it's, you know, like, you don't have to. But for me and for a lot of other people, that is the depth of enjoyment yeah. is is really delving into it and exploring maybe what the artist's intention was and how it came across and all of these sorts of things. I, I love it. Fantasy and like hearing viewpoints and analyses yes. of fantasy um creative works Mm. and how people then relate it to how most of them deal with like race and discrimination i'm just like everything makes sense Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. i'm like oh i see like the artist was impacted or like experiencing this which is like inspired them to do this i'm like it like as much as you don't want to say it like 
creative works are inspired by real life of experiences. Course. Everything, mm. yeah. Like even like when people when there was like that Hunger Games Renaissance online, and people were like you know delving back into Hunger Games and being like, oh, I love this, I love that. How interesting was this? Mm. And all of it is quite as far as I'm concerned, is quite, like, intentional by Suzanne Collins to, like, reflect certain things of the real world and to make people think about stuff. And I just, I find that it can be applicable for anything. Like, even if people don't want to think about children's media that way, I'm Mm. like, if you actually sit down and you watch an episode of Bluey, there are so many, like, genuinely really important things about society and about families and about communication about boundaries like all of these things that can apply to real life and that we can like actually learn from and delve into just because it's children's media doesn't mean that there isn't depth to it that we can dig through and learn from especially like children's media at the moment it's something that i've sort of gone deeper in i love animated works i love the creative like thought process processes and visuals that come mm-hmm, along with mm-hmm. it and the more I watch it the more I'm like oh yeah like of course they're trying to teach children about something mm-hmm. as well as being like a really engaging piece of media that they can enjoy exactly and it's just like it's there just yes. a- acknowledge it <laughs> yeah it's weird to me when people are like just leave it alone and don't talk about it and I'm mm-hmm. like but that's good to do that yeah it's important it's really good and I feel like it enhances my enjoyment of it and even like little things like when I made a video talking about how what I find most attractive about Prince Eric and the new Little Mermaid is his behavior. I haven't seen this yet. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It's just that like there's something about his actions and his Mm. behavior that is just like very, you know, caring and attentive and beautiful and then like you know other people came out of the movie also loving it and then after you know watching my video they went i couldn't figure out why i loved him more than the old one and that's what it is they've added this depth of attentiveness and that's really exciting and so i'm like even if it's meant for children Mm. talking about it can make people understand it more well exactly and like understanding it and like relating back to like Mm. creative works being influenced by real life experiences that's what strikes a chord with people Mm -hmm. when they watch something they're like i have felt these feelings and everything Mm. yeah so i just i think it's great to like think about you know what characters motivations are and like what they're desires are and like what their values are and then like how they reflect on like things in the real world like it's exciting to me so yeah yeah. well because that was one of the questions i wanted to ask is like what has really piqued your interest in media analysis is it just something that's sort of always come naturally to you yeah i didn't even know that it was really like a thing that people did um and then i you know i'd see people talking about movies and shows that they liked on TikTok and like their thoughts on certain characters and plot lines and all of this sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, I have thoughts like that too. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I'll share my thoughts about this as well. And um, yeah, and so people, you know, enjoyed that because I think that it's fun. Like I've seen, I've had people say like, it feels like we're doing a fun English assignment together where we're that like it's good so adorable it. and I'm like it is it feels like we're doing like a group English assignment and be like why do you think this character did this oh I and I would even ask like sometimes I'd be like I don't understand why this character did this why do you guys think that yeah. this character did this and then other people would be like oh I think it was this I think it was this I'm like that's amazing thank you because I couldn't figure it out and then being able to talk about it with other people is so exciting it is like the more like hearing you talk about that I'm sort of getting the image of like a book club oh, of yeah. Yes, like, of like with, a book club. Yeah, with yes. people who are just so interested in the exact same mm-hmm, works mm-hmm. that you are. Yes. Because I feel like with sometimes with book clubs, you just like get caught up with books that you don't particularly enjoy yes, talking about. Definitely. But yeah. like, ah, oh, it just, it sounds like such a great community that you've. It's so nice. Yeah, you're yeah, a part yeah. of. Yeah. TikTok is a very, very strange and overwhelming beast to me. (laughs) And it's like, it's so interesting to hear about these amazing spaces that Mm. are created online, especially when you hear some of the negative things that happen. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Mm. I wanted to ask about your origins with TikTok, Mm. like, and how, I don't know, you came across it, what started Mm. things. Like, is it the main thing? In, like, in your media 
Yeah, wild. like I don't personally use Instagram mm. um, and I don't really go on Facebook. I, I watch things on YouTube, but like, yeah, main, my main media, like social media source is TikTok. And I, yeah, I originally started making videos. I think that the first thing that I did was like, I was just like making videos about my houseplants and then following other people at houseplants <laughs> to get advice about houseplants because yeah. I got into houseplants in COVID. And then, so it was like this beautiful place where like, you know, if you follow other people who have plants and you like, you know, ask them questions and stuff, like there's so much to learn. And okay. I love learning. <laughs> the ad campaign, because I feel like I've never seen it with um, a social media platform mm. before. It's always been like sharing your experience, mm. share the beautiful things yeah. in your life, blah, blah, blah. Mm. TikTok's ad campaign about learn more. Yes. I... Oh. I thought that was so clever. Genius. Absolutely genius. Because, like, that's sort of the side of TikTok that I almost engage with mm. as well mm. is, you know, learning things, picking up things. I love it. The interesting facts. And I thought that was incredibly cle clever yeah, of a media powerhouse. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, because um, I feel like it's, it's something that even like, I don't know, older adults and stuff like that, like not just like Gen Z kids, like other people go on TikTok and they're like, oh my God, I can learn so much on here. Mm. And I feel like it's something that people really connect with and being able to learn from just like regular people. Yes. I think it's something that people are really drawn to. Like I don't have to go and find like an expert and ask what, what they say I should do to bring my house plant back to life like yeah. i can ask all these other people and be like well what did you do what did you do and it's just real it's like a nice community building thing mm. yeah yeah what was it like starting to post on tiktok and putting yourself out there well first i didn't show my face because mm. i was really insecure and so i just showed my plants and it was my voice and the plant and i'd go what's Relatable. wrong with this plant can someone please help me and i'd go like hashtag plant hashtag house plant someone please help yeah um and then like i did not even want to talk because then i was like oh i hate my voice <laughs> okay this like incredibly relatable like obviously being on a podcast yeah. and something like this i have to constantly listen to my voice mm. i'm fine with the sound of my voice now but like something about and like this is gonna go like this is behind the curtain guys <laughs> um i like filming content for the podcast and something like this i sat down and i've tried to do the like talk directly to the camera and i've icked myself out oh, it's so horrific. many times it's like, horrific. Oh. <laughs> oh my god i just had to throw away like for me personally i feel like also something about something about getting really physically sick for mm. me like and becoming like disabled by illness I, I'm, I know it's not the case for everyone, but just for me personally, I just, it, I threw everything about my, like caring about my physical appearance out the window. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just simply don't care. Yeah. I don't care what my, my body looks like as long as it's going to function as well as it possibly can. I don't care what my face looks like. I'm not like going to have a 10 step skincare routine when I'm barely like able to shower. Mm. And so like, I feel like that contributed to me just being like, oh, fuck it. I don't care anymore. Yeah. And then so I'd like put my face and like, it was so funny. My boyfriend said that he thought it was hilarious that like I will film from like this angle and like chin first because that's <laughs> I, like I just don't like I, don't <laughs> I love those videos you have of those um the glasses <laughs> <laughs> the lying down yeah, yeah. sometimes I'm just lying in bed mm. and like I'm in and then like I'll like have the glasses and lying down glasses and then I'll be able to like watch something on my phone but I think that yeah me letting go of of really like caring what I look like um, was really helpful in me just being like, well, I'm going to talk about, you know, Bridgerton. I mm. love this season of Bridgerton. And I love these characters and I'm just going to talk about them and my face will be on the screen and blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, I feel like people can tell when you don't care. Yeah. Um, because I feel like I get, I get that vibe from people when I'm scrolling through TikTok and there's something that feels really comfortable yeah. about like someone who just looks like they've just gotten out of bed and they're just chatting about their thoughts of the most recent episode of their favorite show and it's really comforting yeah and i have a feeling that maybe that's part of it for me as well because like i never have makeup on i never look like particularly like great but i'm just <laughs> <laughs> but like it's just like i think it's it's comforting to have just like a regular person who looks the way you look when you're just like rolling out of bed just yeah. talking about our interests mm, exactly yeah it's um TikTok, like, to me, is 
very strange in how it's operating at the moment with um, the Creator Fund, which mm. is something that sort of I did want to talk to you about. Yeah. Because it's so interesting and I think it plays into the media landscape as well mm. in a sort of way. Because like people are creating great stuff on TikTok. Australians yep. who aren't getting paid mm. the same way that some other countries are. Exactly. Yeah, I think that there are so many like funny, interesting people. I don't know usernames off the top of my head, mm. but I feel like people will know who I'm talking about. The girl with brown hair who goes like, darling, darling. <gasps> oh, um, oh, you know what it, I'm saying? The, the girl rich, who's like being the mum, the rich mum. Yeah, rich mum. And then That's there's the other is. one who's like, she's blonde and she like plays a teacher really well. Mm. And she'll be like, like, girls, it's not on. Like that sort of thing. Boys and in the back. Yeah. <laughs> girls, girls, pay attention. Like those people and like the the guy who does the safety test with the dolls on the playground, hilarious. And like the guy who does like the perfect voices for like the take care Garnier, you know, that person. Oh my so talented. God. There are all of these like hilarious, like interesting Australian creators on TikTok that I don't, I, I would love to know what it's been like for them to try to monetize their talents mm. and like if they're able to break into like mainstream media in any capacity because I don't really see um, the pathway from being really popular on TikTok in Australia to being able to potentially turn that into a career yeah. or make money out of it in the same way that like I feel like those opportunities are easier to come across like in America or in Britain or something like that um, and yeah I find that a bit like of a waste almost of those talents for them not to be given a way to maneuver into mainstream media. Literally, because exactly like you say, there are some people doing amazing things, like mm. some things better than the Americans are. And they're yeah, just like, yeah, so no. funny. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in terms of mainstream Australian media, there is a disconnect between like the Australian cultural identity and what people, the general people actually love about Australian culture and find really funny about like our people and our culture. Mm. Like, you know, those, those people that we follow on TikTok, like the reason why everyone like follows them and likes their videos is because it's like, it's so relatable. It feels so real in a way that like, I feel like comedy on television, on Australian television doesn't really. Yeah. Um, and it feels... It feels authentic, and I don't see that necessarily fitting into the current framework of mainstream Australian media. Mm, yeah, exactly. Like, the only time I've ever seen um, one of them jump across mm. to be able to get paid opportunities mm. from it was when, um, and I'm blanking on the names as well. I'm terrible with names. The teacher um, woman was on Bump. Bump! Mm. Yes! Oh my god, yes, I saw that as well. I saw that as well. And then I was like, well, I wonder if she'll get anything else. Because yeah. I was like, that's very cool. Um, but then I wonder, I don't know, I haven't seen anything other than other than ads. Like yeah. I see some of the ads. Sponsored content. Yeah. Mm. But I would just I would love I'm I am excited to see what happens when Thank God You're Here comes back. Um because apparently it's coming it's back. It's coming back. I saw I got a TikTok ad and it said, Thank God you're here, we're coming back. And it was like a clip of Hamish and Andy back in the day. And I was like, maybe they'll let Young Those funny people. Compliations on YouTube. Oh, so I devoured oh them my gosh. when I, because I came across it in, oh, goodness, it would have been like grade six. So yeah. Like, and I was just, oh, I was enamored. It was so hilariously funny. It was so funny. Like, I remember that being one of the shows that everyone was like excited to turn on the TV and watch it with their families. Yeah. And I really believe that even with streaming, people still would. Like, I feel like, we don't need to necessarily like abandon actual television because of streaming. Like, I really think there's a world where like, if they brought back, thank God you're here and did it well, mm -hmm. that like Aussie families would sit down and watch it together because that's like, it's a fun, exciting thing and like reflects our culture and like people that we can be proud of and be like, oh, that's that guy that I saw, yeah. you know, perform comedy once. He's so funny. And then we get to see them on the TV and oh like God. they come Australian up. comedians mm -hmm. as well, stand up stuff. Like they There's are no... doing such a great job no every time. Yeah. I keep being astounded that like people keep getting famous like over in Britain or something. Mm. Like, you know, like, um, do you watch Taskmaster? 
Yes. I will, you know, <laughs> watch in the sense that it comes up on TikTok. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm a taskmaster freak. Yeah. Like I, I'm like, I'm like counting the points and I'm like, okay, who's winning? Who's got the most points this season? I think this person's going to win. Yeah. Um, and I just like, I, I love taskmaster and I find it absolutely wild that in the next season of British taskmaster, the original taskmaster, um, one of the people that's coming up is Sam Campbell, who's like from Queensland. He's just like a funny weirdo, yeah. like very like everyday like Aussie weirdo, mm. like just like funny and weird. And I don't, I don't think I've seen him on Australian television. Maybe once. I think he won um, a Fringe festival a couple of years ago, and right. like, like it was like one of the biggest Fringe festivals in Australia mm. for like comedy. And then like he like won. And then, like, we just, like, don't hear from these people again. Yeah. And so it's like, well, wh- where are these opportunities? And then so they have to leave. And then so I'm like, it's not a surprise to me at all that he would be, you know, considered famous enough in Britain mm. to be one of the five stars of Taskmaster for the next season. And he's just, like, a dude from Queensland. Yeah. And I'm like, why isn't he on our TV? Yeah. Why don't you put him on our TV? That's so weird. And, like, people, like... I don't know, Tom Walker, Demi Lardner. Do you know those people? I mean, they see just all like, these I just, names I, like, sound we, familiar. Like, like Australian, yeah. like little funny weirdos. Mm. I'm a big fan of little Australian weirdos who are like, because <laughs> I feel like the the polished version, not polished necessarily, but like the version of like Australian comedy that's on mainstream television is mm. like Husey, I guess. And oh, like, yeah. you know, like sort of like older people or even like the youngest people are like Hamish and Andy who are like, parent parents well hamish is a dad now oh my god he is he's a dad he has a child and like, one of his massive bits at the mm. moment is the cake isn't it oh my gosh i don't even know what, oh, what are they doing with the cake i'm pretty sure because my sister's obsessed yeah. like i had oh my god i had a flashback to when the um caravan of courage courage yes oh my god i was about to say justice and i was like <laughs> what <laughs> And like the Aussie gap years were yeah, on TV. Those were iconic. I know. I was like, where is stuff like that? Exactly. I literally I I, I sound like a <laughs> I sound like a conspiracy theorist. But I'm like, something happened in like two th- circa two thousand and six mm. where like that is the last time that people were allowed to go from being like a little bit famous in Australia to getting really famous in Australia. Yeah. And if you look at anyone who went from being a normal person to being famous in Australia and is famous now, they're all from like 2006. And it's like Hamish and Andy, they were like kind of small and then they got like a show and like and then they're on the radio and then yeah. there's like there's steps and there's a way for people to move up and then it's just not there anymore. Yeah. So we just have the people from then just forever mm. until they die. I guess it's a sign of good job security. <laughs> I know, exactly. Well, it feels, it feels as though they're like, you know, that there's like this door that like all the people who are famous now that's who's allowed to be famous. Mm. We won't let anyone else in. I think the most recent person I can think of outside of that would be Abby Chatfield. Yeah, and she's Rarity. like the the anomaly where they're like, okay, we'll let this we'll let this girl mm. get get mainstream fame in Australian media, but it's like one one person. Yeah, it's very odd. It is very odd, and um, some of the other like insights and stuff that you bring up is just like it's true. Like everything is just strange and it's weird. It's like completely stagnated. And I feel like it kind of, it reminds me of the ways in which I feel like the Australian people have sort of been like conditioned to not question things now. It's honestly like, okay, for listeners, Alyssa and I had, we did, we had a massive chat before (laughs) the show and like then decided to start recording. What you were talking about, like media is designed pretty much Mm -hmm. for the older generations is true at least all of the accessible stuff yes yeah like mainstream australian media is very much like someone commented on one of my videos and said that australian media is for made for the retiree Mm -hmm. and it just absolutely is true like it's like the if you look up the stats the most watched television programs on any australian channel is the news and then more news and then like funny news and then that's the whole thing and we just consume the news and then there's nothing particularly creative. So like even when they'll like make a new show, it'll be like the same people who were in the last big show, mm. like the same Australian actors that have been on TV since like 2000 and I don't know, 10. Um, 
And I feel like there's a connection between an absence of media that challenges people and questions existing structures and questions the status quo and like points out things about society, maybe in a comedic way or in a dramatic way. We have an absence of that. So I feel like it's harder for people to look at the stuff that's going on in our country at the moment, like the housing crisis and all of these things where it's like, you know, the top 10%, like the the richest 10% of Australians own, like get like 93% of economic growth. And it's absolutely absurd. But then like so many people just sort of shrug and they're like, well, that's the way it is. Mm. Stop complaining. Yeah. And I feel like, having an absence of media that questions existing structures contributes to that cultural mindset. It is a very strange phenomenon to be experiencing it. And um, I think it's especially, I don't know, I feel like a lot more people are getting a a lot more vocal Mm. about it. It's like Mm -hmm. people are not being seen in them or they're not seeing themselves in the media as well and I just it's I'm it does make me really disappointed as well especially because I feel like I have such creative friends or I Mm -hmm. know of such creative people online I'm like you could be doing such amazing things if you were just supported exactly like they don't get given opportunities like people people tried people tried to argue with me when I said you know it's not a coincidence that Auntie Donna couldn't get on Australian mainstream media. Yes. And then people are like, no, they're on ABC. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, mm. after their widely successful, like, global sensation of a program that was on Netflix. Yes. Like, mm. they, they actually, from my understanding, they tried for ages, like, to, to get onto, like, a mainstream Australian TV channel and, like, pitched shows and just got rejected. Yeah. Because they're like, no, no, no. Because, like, it's considered, like, too risky because they're like, weirdos or whatever and then so then they're like okay well we'll go on netflix yeah and ed helms will help us and then and so like the they made their thing and then it was widely successful and then after that the australian media is like okay well it's safe it feels like there's this um process where like the australian media needs to see you succeed overseas before mm. they're willing to invest in giving you a chance here. That is exactly what it feels and like. And it's so embarrassing because it's like, why do we need that external validation so badly mm. that we're not willing to foster people here? Yeah. We wait until they're famous somewhere else and then we go, okay, you've proved yourself. Yeah. Now you can come back and you can have a career here. It's absolutely bizarre. Yeah. I did want to ask, mm. do you think stuff like that stems from media ownership in Australia. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We are, like, owned by Rupert Murdoch. Like, all of it. Like, everything. It's so bizarre. Mm. And it's not... Like, I feel like... I don't... I mean, I don't know a whole lot about other countries' media landscape, but I'm like, is it normal for one guy to own the whole country's media? I have no idea. I don't think that it's normal. Mm. And, like, it's it's kind of... (laughs) Kind of scary. And then you've you pair that with like media, with like um, arts funding, mm. like disappearing. And then so it's like we have like this one very conservative hundred year old man mm. in charge of all the media in our country. Yeah. And then like we have this government, like a liberal government for the past like what ten years that was like cut arts funding, make it more expensive for students to study arts, like all of this sort of stuff. Exactly. And yeah. then so like it's this this perfect storm for nothing creative to be allowed to be produced in Australia anymore. Exactly. For listeners out there who aren't in the know, if you want to have nightmares at night, just look up the media own like ownership landscape in Australia. We have, I think, the last time I checked, it was three major parties Mm. who own all of the media through like various Mm. subsidiaries or like companies that they own Mm. in Australia. Like uh, the last I checked was Rupert Murdoch. The Packer group and then there's one other that I keep slipping well I suppose it would just be the ABC or something like that wouldn't it yeah and then like government government and Mm. and and it's it's also interesting to think about how because I I I want I want like older people who 
you know, aren't necessarily like boomers who are like, you know, stop whinging young people. Like someone who was older, someone who was there in like the 70s and 80s to actually talk about, hey, we used to have so many more creative opportunities because, you know, I've, I've spoken to a couple and of like people. And like localized creative opportunities. Yeah, like funding and like, you know, more opportunities for just like, Ra- like random people mm. to explore stuff like I, I was looking at um there was there used to be this show called like i think it was like the inventors or something it was like in the 90s mm-hmm. and um it was like on the abc and it was a show where the the random people from across australia would come onto this show and go i invented this thing yeah and he'd just be like a dude he was like a farmer yeah and he'd be like i made this new way to make this tractor like get hay better Mm. and it was like and every week they would bring on these random australian people who were like i've solved this problem yeah with this cool doohickey i made and i'm like they wouldn't do that today no they wouldn't like that there's all of these things where it was more supportive for like sort of everyday people yeah it's wild. Like, I know um, because, like, being a journalism student mm. and media studies and stuff like that, it um, all of the media ownership changed mm. once they took away the... There was a certain rule that they had that you could only own a certain amount of media, oh, like, two dip, yeah. like certain forms. Mm. And, like, once they took that away, it just... Everything changed. Yeah. I don't know how the rules work, but some people have said to me that they think that there's like a theory that um, because there is a amount of Australian media that needs to be um, put on TV mm. that that somehow a way of getting around that without, you know, funding creatives is just like making heaps of reality TV. Mm. And it's um, I, yeah. I do know the rule for this. So you have to um, television. Mm. Um, studios Mm. have to or channels have to uh show a certain percentage of Mm. australian content and they have a few different rules on what certain australian Mm. content is worth Mm. so news i'm pretty sure is worth more so Mm. if you show news content it's worth um like double or something like that i don't know the specific stats Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. stuff like that and it's interesting because yeah it takes away from creative opportunities because Mm. then channels are just showing news content to fill the quota and then they just fill it with foreign content exactly Mm. it's it's very strange to only have like that like i think that it's interesting when we look back at before we had a bunch of streaming platforms that australia was like the piracy capital of the world really (laughs) yeah like it was like this actual like national problem that like it was like piracy of content from that was made internationally was just always in australia because people wanted something to watch and they're like oh all of these shows in america and britain whatever are really good and we don't have anything good to watch here so people were just like on pirate bay all day long and then it was like a huge issue and then so they're like well we need to have streaming platforms here for them to access them and pay for them and have it legally because the people don't want to watch what's made here because there's nothing that's generated for them that's creative and interesting and stimulating for people's brains yeah God, sometimes when you just like think about it too much, you're just like, oh my goodness. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's like, I feel like there's so many problems without easy solutions. Mm. Oh, well, not easy solutions, but like without, I don't know, almost like immediately achievable. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like it's, and it, and I feel like there's been this damage done culturally where I, I just, it makes me so sad when I see, when I try to talk about this and then I see people comment things like, Oh, well, it's just because, like, Australia doesn't make good shows. Australia doesn't make good music. Australia doesn't make good movies. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, if the only movies that are allowed to be made in Australia and be like, this is our biggest, latest Australian movie is a movie about a dog. You know how it'll be like, let's have a red dog. Let's have a white dog. Let's have a golden dog. Yeah. And that's that's our big Australian movie. Like, then, yeah, sure, we'll all think that Australia can't make good movies Mm. because we pick the weirdest... No, Stuff. you triggered something so <laughs> in my head. I le- I remember learning about this. Mm. So there was a massive trend of Australian content and all well, a thought process that mm. because Australian content was 
so Australian. <laughs> like, they overdid it. <laughs> and, like, that was the stuff that was getting accepted by the production companies that people are just like, this is way too much. Like, of course I don't want to watch stuff that's just like, you know, Aussie, Aussie, oi, 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 yeah. down my throat. Like, you know, you just it's... want something creative and, like, fun and, like, you yeah. know, relatable. And it's interesting to me when, like, you compare to... Because people... I don't, yeah, and one of the things that I find really odd, mm. and I think that it's because of the media that we have accessible for people to watch here is generally going to be TV and movies that are made in America. So then when I say, like, we need a better entertainment industry in Australia, people go, well, Hollywood's really toxic. Why would you want that here? I'm like, mm. whoa, who said Hollywood? Yeah. Who said Hollywood? Britain? They have, like, they, they have a thriving film and TV and music industry. Mm. And, like, if you're British, there's no world where every show you watch is American. Yeah. You'll watch, like, a bunch of British stuff because the, there's stuff that's made there for them. It doesn't have to be Hollywood or nothing. Yeah. And then, like, so uh, the, the, the idea that, like, we just can't make good stuff here seeps into sort of the cultural mindset mm. and then i feel like it's it's done that damage where it's like made it harder to try to form something better out of it because i feel like people have like lost hope they're like oh well we can't yeah they, they won't they won't make anything good here so we'll just consume from elsewhere when the talent is here yeah there are interesting writers and like interesting comedians and artists and all this stuff and i just feel like if say like new zealand could have like before he got into Marvel and stuff like that, like Taika Waititi was mm. like making just like interesting, like funny, weird movies. What we do in the shadows. Yeah. That was immensely popular. Like so and popular. Famous. And like mm. they're a little country. And like that, like I feel like there's a lot that we can do differently as a country to foster. Yeah creativity and yeah. stuff to be made here. Mm. I wanted to ask you about mm. your thoughts about recent creative opportunities that mm. have like presented themselves quite rarely, mm. like Elvis and Heartbreak High mm. and what your thoughts on them were. I've said before that I think there is absolutely no world where the reboot of Heartbreak High would have been allowed to be on mainstream Australian te television. Mm -hmm. There's, I just don't think, like, there's no way that, like, Channel 10 would have, like, an autistic lesbian, a non-binary, and, and, and her non-binary best friend, mm -hmm. and then, like, her, like, you know, other friend who's, like, what, a, of immigrant descent. Like, all of this, like, there was so much, so many layers of diversity yeah. that I really think that, like, the main consumer of Australian television, which is like boomer generation, would be like, this woke bullshit has gone too far. Yeah. They've gone too far. Can I out myself for a second? <laughs> and I think it was because I was um, seeing so much Australian media and mm. stuff like that. And I think I was particularly influenced by Netflix's American TV mm. shows and content relating to teenagers. And yeah. I thought, oh my God. They've just overdone it. Like, it's too I far. didn't want to watch it at first. I didn't either. Because it took I didn't me so trust long. that didn't... Australian, an Australian show could be good. Yeah. Because I was like, I've been burned so many times. Like, the number of times I've tried to watch something, because I'm like, well, you know, there has to be something that's like made in Australia that I will enjoy. Yeah. But it's so hard most of the time because... All of it's like made for you know older generations or whatever. Exactly, but and it was, really it was so it was refreshing. It was because amazing. I was like, oh, like, like I thought that at first, like there was like you know how there's tokenism of mm -hmm. diversity and yeah. stuff like that, and I thought that like the show was going to be a victim mm -hmm. to it, but I was just like the way they've done it, like, and it's amazing. There's so much diversity in it, and it was just like laid on so perfectly. I was like, this could be my real. friend group. Literally, exactly. I'm like, this is like my. And then I think, like, I love when like you stop and think about it, and you're like, wait, well, what does my you know friendship circle look like? Yeah, it's that diverse. It's not. Yeah. It's not a ridiculous, crazy you know thing to be like, oh, what if we had like people who are queer, people who are you know people of color, and like non-binary people and like all of these like different like like autistic people disabled people like all of these sorts of things in one friend group of yeah. course you can like that's that's it's not like it's this wacky thing like yeah. that's a lot of people's lives um and the way that they did it so authentically and they all just felt really like really australian yeah. and i loved that it made me feel like proud i was like exactly. this is our people like i was like so excited and then we're seeing like um you know americans like other people overseas being like this is an amazing show i'm like yeah it yeah. is i was so proud yeah um 
what, what what did I ask you? I'm sorry, I got so passionate about oh, sorry. it. <laughs> it was something. Oh, so like creative opportunities like mm. that. Is it relatively exciting for you to see stuff like that happening? Definitely. I'm hoping that Heartbreak High particularly influences something yeah i hope Mm. so like i hope that some somewhere in the mainstream media of australian television someone's gone hey at like that's profitable actually yeah because that's always what confuses me when like you know when diversity and stuff is done well and then like it makes heaps of money yeah and then i'm like okay so if what we care about is money yeah like you're literally throwing money down the toilet by not making stuff that will make you money yeah yeah. Oh, it is really exciting, and I too hope it yeah, triggers something. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Going now to the music industry. Very interesting insights that you've once again said. I feel like I need <laughs> to come up with a more creative way to say interesting <laughs> insights, because like you had so many. Um, you mentioned the middle... Uh, in music industry mm. before and I wanted to hear your thoughts about what you would like to see in the music industry oh. and stuff you wish we did here yeah. in Brisbane and Australia I find it confusing like I don't know like it must I'm assuming it's like a capitalism thing I always I always assume that if there's something weird Wrong. going on I'm like it's a capitalism, it's capitalism. thing because yeah. I'm like <laughs> for some reason is it more profitable for the radio stations, like the mainstream, like Nova, like B105, whatever, for them to play the same top 40 hits from 2010 rather than play newer, smaller Aussie artists to give them just like an opportunity to move up. Because it just feels like we don't have any, like it's just, it's literally the same music from when I was in high school. Well, it's bizarre. I heard a really interesting insight and... Mm. I, I I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but mm. a queer person was talking online about going the the difference between straight clubs and queer clubs, mm. and it's and you obviously have to accept that heteronormativity is the mainstream mm-hmm. media at the moment, and they were saying. Yeah, like I walk into one of those clubs and it's songs from the 90s and to 2010s. Like, where's the new stuff? And like, it? you go to the queer clubs and like they're playing all the latest like Exactly. Hits. Mm. Yeah, there's something that's that feels very anti-progress about like the Australia, co- Australian I think, is like. just like conditioned to be comfortable or something very, like that. Like, like I feel complacent. like no one wants to... complacent is such a good word to put it yeah because like no one goes out and tries new things or anything and i feel like we're like we're like as a as a country we've gone to a place where like you see something new and weird and then like people are like oh this is crazy like what's going on like blah 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 instead of being like well, it's new and interesting, and it's like it's different. Yeah, like at like this you point, don't have to like it, but it's like that's it. interesting. I like. I, I I would love it if there was just more weird stuff at all mm. in media, because it feels like the weirdest that they're willing to go is like a tiny bit, like a tiny, teeny, tiny bit, where like if someone, like even you know, like Peach PRC. Yes, I, find I did want to so ask you about that. Odd mm. that like people find her to be like, she's so weird. I don't get it. Like, what's she's wearing fairy wings and everything's pink. And I'm like, it's just you, what that's don't you fun. get? Like, like she, what don't you get? Like, I, I, you don't have to like her music. No mm. one has to like her music. But it's just weird to me that like this person who is like an Australian person who makes music and is getting successful online, like, why, like, unless she's done something to you, why don't we just support her? Like, I don't get it because I'm so excited to see anyone, Mm. like, start to, you know, move from being down here to be at least in the middle, like, in terms of, like, notoriety in music in Australia. It's, like, it's interesting, and I think you iterated it in your TikTok responding. So, for listeners out there, Peach PRC, I'm sure you would have seen her before, but she recently had a Triple J, like, a version thing get quite quite a bit of hate. I didn't see it. Well, she at least acknowledged an amount of hate. Mm. And um, it's weird. Like, I think... 
actually Peach was probably saying it. Like the like she existed in an echo chamber of <laughs> online success and yeah, love and support. Exactly. And then it just didn't translate to like real like not real life, but yeah. you know, in person things or like spaces that exist outside her social media Mm -hmm. Mm. it's like you i just feel like it's very odd how different it is you know like Mm. i feel like the like the stuff that goes on online like in australia and social media and like creative people online versus like the mainstream media and the people who consume that it's like different universes Mm. and so like to get that hate after like that much like support online when when so much of it is like it feels like like even when people go oh she can't sing blah 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 i always just see people talking about like oh i don't i don't get it oh she's so weird like blah 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 and and that's what the problem is it's just i feel like it's a mindset that needs that needs to be propagated almost. I just yeah. I need it out there because I'm just like not everything is directed towards you. Exactly. Not everything is about you. Exactly. <laughs> oh, this is actually something that my um my partner said that cuz I think that because potentially because of our <laughs> the size of our country's population. Yeah. is that like, you know, maybe in America because it's like the country is also big but it's all full of people yeah. that like they can have like a million different programs and then like you know a hundred thousand people over here will watch this show a hundred thousand people over there will watch this show blah 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 there's there's more people to pick and choose the media for the media to be successful whereas like if we only have this many people across the whole country the shows that they make and the movies that they make they're like we want to make sure that as many of those people as possible will want to watch it we'll make it as broadly accessible which is why our movies are about dogs because everyone likes a dog, you know, or like it'll be like the latest show will be mm. like, I don't know, 10 white people living in a house together. They're all different ages and they look slightly different, but you've seen them all before. This yeah. is our latest show. And it, it's like they feel like they need to make everything relate to everyone instead of allowing more niche things to even be yeah. existing. I hate it when people have like, you know, smart and i say that with air quotes business (laughs) strategies like (laughs) yeah because i think that it's like it's like a they're trying to optimize Mm. for like profit because then you like and that's the sucky thing you can't fault them for that logic like i I get it yeah it's a capitalist money terms yeah yeah but Mm. like in terms of creative thriving Mm. it's yeah and it's just such a waste of all the talent that we have i know Oh, I hate to end on the note of capitalism, but we are literally about to be kicked out of the studio. So one last question that I have for you, Alyssa, yes. is what is the one thing that you would love for viewers of this podcast, viewers of yours, to know about the Australian media landscape? I would love for people to understand that it doesn't, have to be like this because I feel like there is an attitude that I see that it's like it is what it is stop complaining like it's it's fine yeah or just like if you don't like it watch something else like if you don't like Australian TV or you don't like Australian radio then just watch something else when it's like mm, you there's no reason why there couldn't be more stuff overall that you know more people could relate to than just like boomers and retirees yeah and i feel like if we wait until the people who are currently on tv and running tv we wait for them to pass away before we allow for new people on we're just wasting all of these opportunities to allow people to thrive and grow and you know learn and take their passions to where they want them to be that yeah i just feel like we need to start doing more as a like a country and as a government as media to promote um smaller newer younger artists and creatives and comedians and everything to give them a pathway to actually get mainstream success because at at the moment it feels like a pipe dream for most people who are trying it feels ridiculous like winning the lottery yeah whereas like there should be a way to get some kind of you know success out of that art form Mm. yeah you heard it here on talker space (laughs) approved extension it doesn't have to be this way it just doesn't (laughs) 
for listeners, if they really, really love hearing your insights and your thoughts, where can we find you? Basically just on TikTok. So it's Alyssa Avlon 01. So A-L-L-Y-S-S-A-A-V-L-O-N 01 on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa, genuinely, that was such a great chat. Thank Thank you you. so much for coming in. I had so much fun. Yeah. (laughs) For listeners, I know it's the assessment period. Good luck. Take care of yourself, please. It's only a couple more weeks. Then you have a little bit of a break and then you have to do it all over again. (laughs) So please work hard and then play hard on the break. (laughs) We'll be back next week, everyone. Bye. Talker Space Approved Extension is the podcast that talks all things uni. We're bringing you chats about what it's like being a uni student, uni music, and the world of pop culture, as well as bringing you longer chats with the interesting people in Brisbane. Listen in every Friday morning on your favourite podcasting app. This podcast was recorded on Turrible land, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. <laughs>